morning. Good morning. My name is Brandon. I am the pastor here. And I'm curious, have you ever had a moment in your life where you were in the right place at the right time? Okay, the right place at the right time. Maybe like Derek White last night, game six, Celtics, right? Some of you don't care. I could tell. Come on, you have to watch game six, Derek White buzzer beater. Uh, that's why I'm wearing this shirt. We got unfinished business game seven tomorrow night. Okay, let's go. But Okay, that's not my teaching, but it kind of is. So this past week, I, uh, I, this past weekend, I had the privilege of standing next to my youngest brother uh, at, at his wedding. Um, it was super special. The final uh, Bonville kid is finally married, and it was, a, it was an amazing weekend. It was down in Pennsylvania, like Dutch country, uh, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, near Allentown. Um, just, it was just beautiful. And there was uh, one morning, I think it was like Saturday, uh, we got up, we needed some coffee. No, it was Friday. We got up, we needed some coffee. And, uh, you know, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, uh, there's not many choices for coffee. Uh, my brother-in-law was like, well, in our Airbnb, we have an old can of Maxwell House from three years ago. Uh, do you want a cup of that? I was like, hard pass. So we, we left and uh, we found this amazing little coffee shop called uh, the Copper Cup. So we walk into the, coffee, the Copper Cup and it's me and my cousin and my wife and my other brother, Jordan. And we start talking to the, the barista there and it just so happens, you know, he's, he's also a butcher um, he also delivers cabinets and it was his last day at the coffee shop and he loves Jesus. Okay. So this is Tate right here. Uh, this is the barista. Here we go. It's coming. There he is. This is Tate. Okay. Tate was, <laughs> he was super funny. Uh, he talked a mile a minute. It was, it was awesome. And we start talking and we, we find out that amongst all of these other things that he does, he takes photos at weddings. And we were like, oh, no way. Like we're here for a wedding tomorrow. And he said, I'm I'm actually shooting a wedding tomorrow. And we're like, you know, at this point, we're like, okay, this is kind of crazy. And I'm, I'm like, there's no way that there are two weddings in this small a town with like 10 people at the same day. This is, and so I asked him, I said, oh, well, who's, whose wedding are you shooting? And he's like, listen, there's no, like respectfully, there is no way you know this person. She has lived here her whole life. Uh, she's one of my best friends. She grew up in my church. There's no way you know who this person is. Her name's Isabella. And I was like, that's who's marrying my brother. That's who it is. And uh, not only that, but his dad was a part of the ceremony itself. Like I'd spent time with his dad that morning and had no idea. The next day, Tate and I are dancing on the, on the dance floor together. Like it's just, it was the right place, the right time, the right person kind of story. And I love when God does this stuff in our lives. It, it always is a reminder to me that he's working in so many more ways than we can ever imagine. And so throughout this series, we've looked at how our confidence could look different if we truly believe that God was with us. In week one, we looked at the mission that Jesus gave anyone who chooses to follow him and become his disciple. In week two, we talked about how the Holy Spirit helps us to walk confidently in that mission. And then last week, Dan looked at Peter and John and the confidence they had even in an incredibly difficult situation. And today to end this series, we're, we're looking at a really unique story that takes place in Acts chapter eight, when the early church was just starting 
And what we're going to find is an encounter between two men, a, a man named Philip and a man from Ethiopia. And two men that I'm sure had questions about why they were where they were. Two men that had questions about what was happening in their lives. But what we're going to see is that they were exactly where God wanted them to be. It's, and, and in this encounter, there are a couple truths that we're going to learn. First, God is up to so much more in our lives than we will ever know about. Or, or maybe even be able to handle. In fact, I love John Piper uh, uh, very famous Christian speaker, he says this, God is doing 10,000 things in your life and you may know about three of them. That's how, that's because God's big. The second truth is this, even in our questions and uncertain situations, we can have confidence that God is always with us and pursuing us. But why do we find these truths so hard to walk in? Like we may even know that you may be sitting here and you're like, yeah, Brandon, I know those truths, but, but you might find it hard to walk in that truth. Now, why is that? Well, I think there, there are a few reasons. One is we love control. We love control. And so when all of a sudden there's this thing that's, that God is doing and it's not part of our plan, it's like, God, this isn't, this isn't my plan. God, this isn't what I wanted for my life. Or maybe it's more like, God, listen, I am not going anywhere until you give me every step of the journey. God, until I have all the answers, I'm not going anywhere. We let the fear of, fear of the unknown and questions about what is uncertain hold us back from taking a step forward where God's asking us to go. It could also be that the, the barrier might be that we have a desire to be liked and wanted or loved. And so when God asks us to, to boldly step out into something and do something that puts one of those things at risk, we step back and we say, God, no, no, no. There's a chance that if I do this, people aren't going to like me. People aren't going to want me. People aren't going to love me. Or lastly, it could just be that we flat out don't trust in or aren't sure if we believe that there really is a God that desires good for us. Because we've seen some, some bad stuff. We've seen people get sick. We don't really understand the Bible or we've never read it before. We, we've seen churches hurt people and it leaves us to ask, is God really with us? Is he really with us when we have questions about him and the Christian life? And so with that, we're going to dive into Acts chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 8. You go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Okay. Acts chapter 8, open up your Bible. They're, they're on the seats in front of you. Or go to the Bible app on your phone. We'll have it on the screens for you as well. But Acts chapter 8, and we're going to be in, we're going to start in verse 26. So what we see at the beginning of this chapter is there, there's a wave of persecution that sweeps across the churches of Jerusalem. And it, it gets so bad that all of the believers, except for the apostles, they all flee the city. And, and the followers of the way of Jesus, they start being hunted down and thrown in prisons and, and murdered for proclaiming that Jesus had risen from the dead. And one of those believers that flees, his name was Philip. And so Philip, he, he escapes Jerusalem and he goes to this town called Samaria and he, he goes there 
and he starts to preach the gospel. He starts to share about what Jesus had done with the Samaritans. Now, it's important to remember, Jewish people and Samaritans, they hated each other. Hated each other. But what happens is a revival breaks out amongst the Samaritans. And all of a sudden, Samaritans start following Jesus and there are miracles happening and there are evil spirits being cast out of people. So much so that the apostles in Jerusalem, they hear about it. And John and Peter are like, we got to go check this out. Like we have to see this for our own eyes. Samaritan people, there's a revival. What is happening? And so Peter and John show up. Now I want to remind you of a passage we read in week one and it's Acts chapter one, verse eight. And it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, listen to this third one, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This was Jesus' final command to his followers. And so far, up until Acts chapter 8, we've seen Jerusalem and Judea. They've heard the good news about Jesus. And it would have been really easy to just stay put there. That's where it was comfortable. That's where the, the disciples knew. That's where the followers lived. Like It would have been really easy to just stay where they were comfortable. But instead, what happens is persecution. I think sometimes... There can be hard things that happen in our life that get us to move out of where we're comfortable so God's, God can accomplish what he said he needed and wanted to accomplish. Because the next place that the gospel goes is Samaria. Goes to Samaria. Now we've had Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And in the middle of all of this, things are going so well, Philip's, crushing it. They're seeing people, Samaritans that they never thought would follow Jesus. They never thought they would connect with all of a sudden they're starting to follow Jesus. God throws Philip a curveball in Acts chapter 8 verse 26. It says this, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. No other instructions. No answers, no idea why, no idea how long, no idea what the purpose is. Just go south. Here's the road, go south. And what does Philip do? He goes south. Because Philip's confidence came not from the answers he had, but from the promises God made. That's where Philip's confidence came from. And you know how I know his confidence didn't come from the answers he had? Because he didn't have answers. He didn't have any answers. He he was just told, go south. And that was it. And I'm sure there that it left a lot of room for him to just start asking questions. I mean, I, I look back to go back to my brother's wedding this past weekend. It was in Amish country, Pennsylvania. And one day we were driving, we saw a sign on the road as we were driving that said donuts. That's all it said, the side of the road. We kept driving another 50 feet and the next sign said pies. And we kept driving and there was another sign about another 100 feet and it said baked goods. Now listen, 
that's not a lot of information. What kind of baked goods? What kind of pies? What kind of donuts? Who made them? How are they made? But what it did do was it made me a promise that when I showed up at the little Amish farm stand, I would find donuts, baked goods, and pies. And that was all I needed to go. That's all I needed. Baked goods, donuts, and pies. Say less, I'm there. With very few answers, are the promises of God good enough for you to go where he asks or do what he asks, even without a lot of answers? Do you trust that he will be with you even as you walk with questions? I think the follow-up question to this is, do you know what the promises of God are? Do you know what he has promised in his word to those who follow him and to the promises he makes to those that don't follow him? Did you know that he has promised to never leave or forsake you? Did you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, that he promises a helper for those that follow him, a helper who transforms us more into the image of Jesus and the power and gives us the power to walk through life with boldness? Did you know that God promises to protect you, to love you like a father, to give you wisdom and discernment when you aren't sure what to do? Did you know that God promises he will rescue you if you just call out to him? Like these are the promises of God that are found in his word. And this is why it's so important for us to to bring back the lost art of memorizing scripture. It's so important for us to hide his word in our heart so that when we come across a moment where we don't have a lot of answers, all of a sudden we're remembering where Jesus said, listen, I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you. Listen, I've sent somebody to give you discernment, to give you wisdom as you walk through this in your life. And Philip Philip was seeing the promises of God come to fruition everywhere. He was watching lives transformed. He was watching the hopeless find hope. He was watching the lost become found. He was watching evil spirits flee at the name of Jesus. And so even without answers, he trusted that if God was leading, he would take care of him. And this is what God asks of those who follow him. And so my question for you this morning is, what might he be asking you to do today? Where where are you feeling him lead? And you may still have a ton of questions, as I'm sure Philip did. But what we will find and what Philip found is that if we're obedient in the going, God will show us why. So let's go on to verses 27 and 20, to, to, to 29. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. And the eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning, seated in his carriage, and he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Now, a couple of things to note here, especially the timing of all of this. So I want to show a picture of of this map right here. So Philip was in Samaria. And he met the Ethiopian somewhere around here. Somewhere around here. Now Philip would have had to have started walking days. Days. Before the Ethiopian ever even left Jerusalem. So before the... The Ethiopian leaves 
Jerusalem. You've got Philip walking south for days, just wondering, God, what? Where am I going? God, what, what is happening? God, it's so hot out. Why am I just walking south? Why am I, God, things are going really well in Samaria. Why are you, why are you leading me in the opposite direction into the desert? And now the Holy Spirit again prompts him to do something with no answers. He just gives direction. He says, go and walk alongside the carriage. Now, we learn a few things about this man from Ethiopia really quick. First, he was the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. The treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. This man had influence and power and would not have been traveling alone on the road. This would have been a caravan of people and supplies. In fact, the Bible scholar David Williams says the distance from Jerusalem to Moreau, which was an ancient city in Ethiopia, is about 1,600 miles. The trip would require months of travel. So they've got a caravan loaded with people and supplies enough for months of travel. And up walks Philip with no direction other than just go walk near that carriage. And a radical obedience leads Philip to just do that. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 30, Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And it's in this moment where all of a sudden Philip's like, I get it. Like, I, I know why I'm here now. I've walked all this way with, with these questions and uncertainty. God, you just told me to walk south and then you just told me to walk behind, but beside this carriage. And now all of a sudden I hear this guy reading from the prophet Isaiah. God, I get it. Days of walking, days of wondering had led to this incredible moment. And so now Philip asks him a question in Acts chapter eight, verses 30 and 31. This is what Philip said. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And the focus of this, this story now shifts to the man from Ethiopia. And what we learn very quickly is that even in our questions, we can have confidence that God is pursuing us. Even in our questions, we can have confidence that God is pursuing us. I want you to think about this. This is a rich man with incredible influence and, and power that many just dreamt of having. He had success, but he had no answers. I wonder if there are some of you in this room that man, according to worldly standards, you've achieved a ton of success and yet you still are sitting here this morning with tons of questions because you thought money would satisfy, you thought another house would satisfy, you thought a car would satisfy, you thought a third marriage would satisfy and what you found is that you have more questions than answers even though you have more success than failures. This man had traveled all the way to Jerusalem to worship. He had paid. To own a scroll of Isaiah was no small feat. That would have cost him 
so much money. And now here he sits on his way back from worshiping in Jerusalem with the scroll of Isaiah with nothing but questions. Yet little did he know that days before he even would have left Jerusalem, God had prompted a man named Philip to just start walking south to intercept him on a random road to bring answers he had been so desperately trying to find. That's the pursuit of God on full display. Listen, verses 32 to 34, it goes on. Passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. I I love in the moments when we have questions in life, I I think there is a, a misconception that we can believe that God waits for us to figure it all out before he will embrace us. You've got to figure, listen, I know you've got questions. You've got to figure out all of your questions, get those answers, and then I will love you. And then I will wrap my arms around you. But what we see in the Bible is the opposite of that. In Genesis, God searches for Adam and Eve after they sin for the first time. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus uses three parables or, or stories to illustrate God's pursuit of mankind. In John 3.16, it tells us that he sent his son for us. And in an incredible passage in Isaiah chapter 65, verses 1 and 2, it says this. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that did not call on my name. All day long, I opened my arms to a rebellious people, but they follow their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. God says to his people, here I am, here I am. My arms are open. Now I want you to notice, who are his arms open to? A rebellious people. A rebellious people. That's how great his pursuit is. That's how deep his love is. And even those of you in this room right now that are actively choosing to live in rebellion against God, I want you to hear that he is still pursuing you with open arms. He's saying to you this morning, here I am. Here I am. Behind the scenes of this man's life, even in his uncertainty and his questions, there was a God that pursued him. And this this is the love of a perfect father. But it's also important to note that while God was pursuing this man, this man was also pursuing God. He had gone to the temple to worship. He had, he had paid a crazy amount of money for a scroll of Isaiah. He was reading. He was trying to understand. And maybe that's you this morning. You're sitting in this room. But by, by just sitting in this room, you are taking a step toward God. Even if you're sitting here with a ton of questions. Maybe this past week you actually opened up your Bible to see what it was all about. Perhaps you even prayed. And all of these are steps toward God. 
Now, two more things that are worth noting in this passage. First, I want to go back. You remember the great commission Jesus gave his followers. You go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. Now, all of these places up to this point had heard the good news of Jesus and people had put their faith in him. But there was still one more place that Jesus commanded his followers to go and share the good news to the ends of the earth. And where was this man from? He's from Ethiopia. He's from the ends of the earth. Philip's obedience to the Spirit's leading, even without question, even without answers of where God would take him, brought him to share the gospel with a man that lived the ends of the earth. The promises of God will always be true. Now, secondly, there's a great deal I think we can learn from how Philip approaches this man. Uh, Richard Neal Donovan, who's a, a biblical scholar, he puts it this way. Philip made himself an invited guest rather than an unwelcome intruder. He made himself an invited guest rather than an unwelcome intruder. What does he say to the man in the cart? Do you, under, do you understand what you're reading? He hears these words of Isaiah and he says, do, do you understand what you're reading? It's a, it's a posture of humility and graciousness. It was an inoffensive question that would have revealed to the Ethiopian that Philip was there to help, not demean him. He made himself an invited guest. And I think that is, as we look towards this summer, as Dan, we were even praying about, as we look towards this summer, what would it look like for you and me to make ourselves invited guests to the people in our lives? To offer help and, and support and encouragement before we offer answers, uh, condemnation or judgment. How can we look to do this better with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family this summer? And so Philip has now shared the good news of Jesus with this man. And listen to what happens next. Acts 34, uh, 8, 34, and 35. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And then it goes on in verse 36 and 30, uh, 37 and 38. As they rode along and they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. This man was forever changed because while he was seeking to understand, God was seeking to transform his life. And God used Philip to bring the answers he was so desperately searching for. And so even in our questions, maybe your questions look a little more like Philip today. God, where am I going? God, what am I doing? What are you doing? Why am I going in this direction? Maybe those are your questions this morning. We, when we ask those questions, we, we need to be reminded that the words of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 are true. My thoughts are not nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. When I tell you to walk south, you can trust me. 
even though you don't have a lot of answers. Our confidence comes from his promises, and that's what allows us to walk into the unknown. Now, that's for those of you that have questions like Philip. Maybe you have more questions like the Ethiopian this morning, though. What does all this mean? What, what, is, what is the Bible about? Like you're reading, even maybe you're following along this morning and you're like, I don't understand. Or maybe you're even asking a question like what the Ethiopian asked in 36. Why can't I be baptized? Now, this question was, was so much deeper than what we read on the surface. See, this man was a a eunuch. Because of his service to the queen of Ethiopia as the the treasurer and a person of of power that would have worked very closely with her, to make sure that he could never get her pregnant, the king took drastic measures. And under Jewish law, that prevented him from taking part in many things in the temple including baptism. A scholar named Richard Donovan says this, the eunuch has been prevented from participation in sacred rituals, including baptism, because of his physical defect, castration. So his question might reflect not only a desire to be baptized, but also a concern that he might once again be denied the opportunity to participate. This question was about more than baptism. This question was, can someone like me actually be welcomed into the family of God? And maybe that's your question this morning. Can someone like me actually be welcomed into the family of God? We find Philip's answer to that question in other manuscripts of Acts. Other manuscripts of Acts have uh, verse 37. Your Bible may not actually have this, but verse 37 in other manuscripts of Acts, after the the Ethiopian man asks this question. This is how Philip answers. He says, you can, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he was welcomed in to God's family. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess him as Lord of your life with your mouth, you will be saved. If these are your questions, keep asking. Keep asking and be confident that God is pursuing you. Now there are a few ways that we can a few ways that we can apply this to our lives today. I wonder if for some of you the Holy Spirit has been asking you to start walking self. But you've grown pretty comfortable where you are. Like you feel that nudge? But like things are good in Samaria. God's doing some cool things. Like I'm comfortable. Or maybe you're, you're, you're saying to God, listen, God, once you give me your whole plan, 
then I'll go. God, give me the answers I want, then I'll go. God, this doesn't make any sense. What or who could be waiting for you on the other side if you just had confidence that God's promises were true? Or maybe this morning your question is, how do I know if the Holy Spirit's prompting me? Like maybe you feel that nudge to go south and you're like, listen, Brennan, I'm, I'm down to do it. I just, I don't know if it's actually the Holy Spirit. I want to give you a, a tool that one of my really good pastor friends, his name's Austin, he's, he's in Pittsburgh, he gave me when it comes to navigating these things. His acronym, it's called HEAR, H-E-A-R. And I was talking to him about this and I said, you know, what does it look like to try to sort out like if it's really the Holy Spirit leading or not? And he, he gave me this acronym. H stands for heart. Like what is it you're, you're sensing in your heart? What is it you're feeling in your heart? What are some desires that are on your heart? So that's the first part, H, heart. E is experience. What are you experiencing? What are, you, what are you kind of seeing around you? What's happening in your life? What are, what are, what are the things that, that you're seeing happen or, or experiencing in your life? So that's the E. The A is advice. When you go and you sit with a couple trusted friends or mentors or maybe parents or, or whatever, and you sit and you say, hey, here's some things going on in my life. What are your thoughts on this? And they give advice. And it, without talking with each other, it's starting to line up. Like, you know, they're giving you godly advice and it's starting to maybe lead you in a certain direction. This is the last piece and it's R, read. What are you reading? Now, I'm not talking about like what you're reading in the news. I'm talking about what are you reading in here? What are you reading in here? And I promise... Without this, you will not be able to tell if it's the Holy Spirit or not. This is God's word. The Psalms tell us it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And when your heart and your experiences and when your advice and when what you're reading all sort of line up and start to go in a certain direction, more often than not, that's the Holy Spirit. And so I, ho I hope that's a helpful tool for you as you, maybe you're navigating like right now, you feel maybe the Holy Spirit leading you in a certain direction. You're like, I just don't know how to discern or, or try to, I don't know how to figure out if this, I hope this is a helpful tool for you as it has been for me. And once you feel confident that it is the Holy Spirit leading, that's when you start praying bold prayers. All right, God, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm gonna trust that you're gonna take care of me. All right, God, I don't know where I'm going, but I ask that you would use me in a, an amazing way along this journey. Now, maybe for other, others of you in this room, this is an opportunity for a summer of exploration. Just a summer of questions. I want to ask you, if, if that's you, are you inviting people into your questions? Are you trying to navigate life and faith and questions all on your own? 
Because that's what we see with the Ethiopian, and he was, he was struggling. It wasn't until he invited somebody else in that he started to get some of the answers he was looking for. So what if this summer you hosted a weekly barbecue at your house where you talked about the questions you have and you invited others to do the same? In the same way that the Ethiopian did, he said, how can someone, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? Remember that if, if that is you this summer, as you pursue God, he is pursuing you. As you ask questions, he is pursuing you. My prayer throughout this series, as we, as we wrap it up, my prayer throughout this series is that your confidence has grown because of who God is. I, I pray that it leads you to pray bigger prayers. To take bolder steps to rely more on the Holy Spirit and less on you. And to live out the mission that Jesus gave all of his followers. Let's pray. God, um, you are good. I, th I thank you that you love everyone in this room deeply. I thank you for how you pursue us. God, as Romans says, even while we were sinners, even as we were living uh, far from you, Christ still came and died for us. That's, that is how deep your love is. That's, that is the depth of your mercy. God, I pray that this, this summer would be a summer of bold prayers, of people walking south, of feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to do, to do big things. And God, maybe, maybe it's not moving somewhere, but maybe it is telling our neighbor about Jesus. Maybe that is our big thing. And that can be hard. Maybe it's just inviting a friend or a coworker to church. Whatever that thing is that we feel the Holy Spirit prompting us to do, God, help us to have confidence, not in the the answers that we don't have, but in the promises that you made. And to trust that you will be with us always, even to the end of the age. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.